0: Welcome to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine. I want to wish everyone a belated Happy New Year. We took an extended break during the holidays that spilled over into January, so it's been a little over a month since we dropped our last episode. Starting with this episode, we're back on schedule to launch a new one every two weeks. Our guest on Episode 52 is Perry Steed, and he was interviewed by Writer's Associate Editor, Paul Dale. Paul wrote a feature about Steed titled Riding for Light for the October 2022 issue of Rider. Steed is a former Army paratrooper and he served in the 82nd Airborne with Sergeant Christopher Cool. On April 24th, 2012, Cool took his own life. On May 20th of last year, Steed departed Wilmington, North Carolina on his BMW R1200GS and embarked on a 48-state trip covering more than 15,000 miles. The purpose of his trip was to pick up Cool's ashes in Minnesota and take them to Fort Bragg to spread on Sicily Drop Zone as a rally cry for support for the epidemic of veteran suicide. During his ride, Steed met with fellow veterans he served with, as well as old friends. He spent the many hours of solo helmet time working through his own struggles as a veteran and as a husband and father. In this episode, Steed talks about how he got into motorcycles, as well as, as his Ride for Light mission. He's candid and honest about his ongoing challenges, which are shared by many veterans. Steed talks about Operation Purpose, the nonprofit he created to support fellow veterans. You can find out more and make a donation at OperationPurpose.net. Steed completed his mission. He dispersed Sergeant Cool's Ashes at Sicily Drop Zone. And Paul wrote a follow-up feature about it for the February 2023 issue of our sibling publication, American Writer. We owe a debt of gratitude to all veterans for their service, and we owe it to them to support veteran causes. If you or someone you know is in danger because of suicidal thoughts or actions, call 911 immediately. Suicide is an emergency that requires help by trained medical professionals and should always be treated seriously. Nationwide suicide hotlines: 1-800-SUICIDE and 1-800-273-TALK have counselors available 24/7. Thanks for listening and keep the rubber side down.
1: All right, well, Barry, uh, welcome to the show. We're, we're we're glad to have you here today. I wanted to before we get into talking about ride for light, let's talk about you a little bit. a topic that's gonna to be you know familiar to the majority of our readers and listeners. Tell us a little bit about how you got started riding.
2: <laughs> well, like a lot of kids, you know, when some some rich friend, you know, their parents boss them a, a dirt bike, you know, when when we're when we're younger. So I rode without any kind of training or or skill set for a number of years when i went into the military a good friend of mine bought a a ZX7 and uh i think stayed wrecked at my house more than you know either one of us rode it rode it a little bit and then i quickly realized that i was not mature enough to be behind the bars of a motorcycle uh, i took a lot of unnecessary risks and it wasn't until 2009 that I actually started riding on my own. My father in law actually rode, came from Connecticut to our home in North Carolina, and his primary mode of travel when he made these trips was on a motorcycle. And uh, I know uh, the readership, you know, is, is an American based readership, but he rode BMW. And so when it came time for me to, to get a bike i was looking for something that i could ride more and wrench on less and uh so i settled on a bmw that was actually the same year as his as another 1984. the wrenching versus riding thing that's not really that true i did work on it quite a bit i did beat the crap out of it for the first year and i uh, put about 10,000 miles on it the first year that i was actually licensed and could ride it so being based at that time in connecticut uh, you can travel a short distance and see a whole lot of stuff. So we went all over New England, west out to into, Pen- you know, western Pennsylvania. And I kind of relegated it to that. I started taking solo trips in 2011. I started riding pretty much exclusively by myself when it came time to do any sort of distance. Not to say I didn't ride with other people It's just I had things I needed to do. That first big trip, I just finished doing a resto mod job on that 84 airhead of mine and put 200 miles on it and decided I needed to ride to North Carolina and actually meet the birth family that I just found. So much to the uh, chagrin of all those that care about me, I set off on that trip. And the one thing it did was let people know that if I said I was going to do something, then I did it. I really didn't care what other people thought. I just was going to do it. I've been one of those ask for forgiveness instead of permission types of people my whole life, so I did that. Uh, didn't really run into many issues on the road, and that just that time, you know, really, I kind of I think it kind of set the tone for how I needed to process uh, traumatic events and, and and situations of loss. Um, so fast forward. We moved down here in 2012, and I've made a few longer trips. You know, of course, being in North Carolina, there's a couple places that you really need to see if you're into motorcycles, and that's uh, Wheels Through Time in Maggie Valley. And you need to go to the Barber Motorcycle Museum in Birmingham. So, my father in law and I took off down there in 2015. That was the last trip that he was able to make with me. And then I've been riding pretty much by myself ever since there's a uh, lot. You're going to run into a lot of people that want to ride till you tell them you're going to put 400 miles on before breakfast, you know, and then they kind of back out real quick. So a lot of miles on road, tons of miles on road. And then my last motorcycle that I, that I purchased was a, uh, was a GS, a BMW GS that I actually took this, this trip on. And, uh, I realized that they are not dirt bikes. You know, I grew up riding those dirt bikes and, you know, you can just haul those things around wherever you want, body position and whatever. And when you're on something with 135 horsepower and, you know, and it's a, a bit, I mean, that bike's huge, you know? So I realized that I'm not as good as I thought I was <laughs> off road, but. Yeah, you know, this last trip, you know, being 15,000 miles, I definitely learned really quick that I am better in a lot of situations than I thought I was, and seeing and meeting a ton of other motorcyclists on the road, that just helped strengthen my resolve to continue to ride as long as possible because, you know, people on two wheels, they see things there a little bit differently than, you know, people sitting behind a steering wheel and uh so yeah, group rides, a lot of
1: individual riding there. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, with the BMW, you made a funny comment when we spoke uh, back in June that for a long time, you didn't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so <laughs> besides uh, not necessarily being a, a dirt bike per se, how, how did it treat you on the, on the road? How you, how'd you feel on it? So... That GS community, you know, they're the, you know, it's kind of like the, the Harley
2: community. They're always hanging out at a Harley dealership, you know, or hopping from bar to bar. The BMW GS crowd, that the joke is that they've got to buy all the latest gear and then they never make it past Starbucks. <laughs> so um, I was really reticent to get one of those bikes. It was a toss up between that and the Harley Davidson Pan America. And with it being so new, you couldn't get your hands on one. So that shut the door for the Harley for me because I, I wanted to try one out. But the longevity and the durability of that GS, it reigned supreme for me. And it treated me really well overall. Like I said, treating it like a dirt bike, you know, three days in. I ended up wadding it up in the in the mountains of North Carolina and uh kind of hurt myself and and messed some things up. Then uh, you know, a little JB Weld and some. And some electrical tape you know you can get fix a lot of things didn't really have to do too much got squirrely in wyoming and uh and um where is that big horn state park hmm. um so i got a little squirrely out there and then i realized that my tires were completely bald <laughs> oh yeah and then you think like man these tires aren't that old like well i've put fourteen thousand miles on them <laughs> since i got the motorcycle you know so <laughs> The things that went wrong with it, you know, I mean, putting a set of tires on it, three oil changes on my trip, you know, overall, the thing did everything I asked it to do. It ran all day without fail. And, you know, I, I had the intention of getting rid of it once I got back, but you share as many experiences as, as I've shared with that motorcycle. You just can't seem to get rid of it, you know? Sure. Sure. So the stable's grown by another one,
1: you know. So, <laughs> well, well, tell us again what all what all you've got. I know you, we we have it in our in in the article that I that I wrote for Ryder, but g- give me the give me all the all the steeds there. <laughs> okay, um,
2: I've got a '74 Moto Eldorado 850. I'm actually looking at it right now. Uh, <laughs> I have an '81 XS 650. That's a basket case right now waiting on me to get motivation and funds uh, a pair of BMW 1984 BMW airheads. And I have the 05 ultra classic, the 2015 V Strom 650 and then my 2013
1: 1200 GS. Okay. Excellent. So, <laughs> yeah. When I, and I see you got a Harley looks like uh, wheeled wheel behind you there. Is that <laughs> Yeah, that's the uh, that's the ultra. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, for for our, our listeners who can't see that. But uh, well, let's let's move on. I you know, I, I started with that first question and, and said, you know, that's what most of our listeners and readers are going to be familiar with. But we actually just did a poll that's coming out in the, the February issue of Rider that it was a survey from 2022. And it And it sort of puts everybody in the categories, right? And, and, and one of those categories was that looks like at least a third of our readers are uh, veterans or active military. Uh, and then, you know, you bump that number up to how many of us know somebody. So let's talk a little bit about ride for light. I first heard about your story in June and, and caught up with you when you were actually in the Southeast corner of my, my state, uh, in Utah. Uh, I did write a story about that trip that came out in the October issue. We talked about where you'd been so far, what you hope to gain. Uh, but for our listeners who haven't heard the story, tell us a little bit about it. Your, your motivation, some of your goals, uh, before we started talking, you said that I, that I caught you at the right time in June. I want to give our listeners a little bit of, a little bit of background and, and where you were at the time and, and, and what got you on the road. Roger that. So, in 2012, uh, one of my best friends
2: committed suicide. He was a guy I was in the service with, and uh, his parents wanted me to—they um, wanted me to bring some of his ashes back to Fort Bragg and spread them on the drop zone. And it took ten years for me to get to the point where I could do it. Uh, I've battled a lot of my own demons, you know, things I couldn't shake, things I couldn't get away from. My mental health was one of those things like so many other veterans, you just put it on the back burner, you know, and then you dilute it with alcohol and you just dig in and find a purpose. And that never really, that never really sounded off for me as to what my purpose was after I got out of the military and I was kind of drowning everything with alcohol and whatnot. And, you know, my family, you know, I've got a wife and three kids and they just had no way to help me other than, you know, just be there whatever I could, I could be there. And it was a huge strain on them. But over the past few years, I've been slowly climbing out of my hole, not to say that I'm, you know, making it's one step forward some days, three steps back. But I, uh, you know, I've been more diligent and I have with a lot of things in my life about not, not going, I'm not going to go out like that. And, um, so in 2021, I took a little trip, took a couple of weeks and went on a test test ride to see if I could actually stand being on the road. I spent a couple of weeks out there and, you know, North Carolina and some Tennessee and, you know, just in this area, I hit five States, I believe. And, um, Then uh, when I got back from that, I was like, you know, I can do this. I can do this. And then I started kind of thinking about how I was going to make it happen to ride to Minnesota because I had to bring him home. Like I I could have just gotten on an airplane and gone and done it, but it needed to be something that I had to sacrifice for him. You know, I had to show him and his family that – I was all in, you know that I I I honored and I respect him, and I needed to carry him. I needed to have him with me, and so this kind of turned into, you know, if I'm going to, you know, Minnesota, I'd actually had another friend that lived out in the middle of the country, and he had been turned away by, you know, VA uh, healthcare mental health facility because they just didn't feel like taking him. And he was in a critical phase, you know, and the place where he turned, where he could get help, they wouldn't, they they couldn't help him. So in contact with some of his family, I needed to go see him. Well, then if I'm in Oklahoma, you know, I'm catching up with some of my friends because the one thing that I've, I've done since I lost Chris, we all lost Chris is that I, if they pop in my head, I got to reach out to them. You know, I've got to, um, no, I tried reaching, reaching my friend before he did that. And he was in that spot where I couldn't get to him. And if he didn't want to answer the phone, I had no other way to get a hold of him, but I didn't let, I wasn't going to let that dissuade me from trying, you know, to keep making an impact and, and be there just so these folks know that somebody cares about them and somebody wants to be there for them. And the double edged sword to that is I don't ask for help myself. So I took that, I, I feel in some ways because I couldn't save him, I had to try to save somebody, even if it meant like sacrificing myself, which I'm not trying to gloat about any of that. It's just that's my mindset. Um, so then it turned into all right, well, who's on the way to Oklahoma? And I was talking to a friend of mine in California and uh they checked me up pretty hard. He, uh, I told him what I was doing. I hadn't spoken to him in quite a while and years. And, uh, we also served together and we knew a lot of the same, same folks. And he was actually filling in some of the gaps for some of the people that say, Hey man, if you talk to this guy, you talk to that guy and you know, he, he would give me information and then we were bouncing, you know, where people sit sit reps were, where they were at in their life and what they were doing. And he asked exactly what I was doing, and I told him, you know, I was going to get the, you know, my buddy's ashes and take them back to Fort Bragg. And he asked me if I could take his brother's ashes. So, still chokes me up. Um, So, just the honor that that was, you know, bestowed upon me to do that for somebody, and the fact that I hadn't seen him in so long, but we had that bond. You know, it's still there's still that brotherhood, and it's something you don't. You know, it's a very rare thing to find outside of the military, unless you're, you know, um, it seems like people that are putting themselves out there at, you know, for the sake of others, there tends to be a a tighter, a tighter bond, you know, and um, I think that's why a lot of, uh, because the motorcycle community is a lot like that. I think that, you know, that's just naturally why veterans gravitate towards that while they're in and after they get out as well, but. It turned into um sorry to rattle on it turned into being about it turned into being about buddy checks and and finding you know finding those people that have kind of fallen off the radar and getting back in touch with them and the momentum that I felt from my first positive encounter with someone that I knew, it helped propel me to go talk to the next person. And then, you know, after a while, man, I would just see somebody in a gas station and just start, you know, and I wouldn't tell them, I wasn't trying to solicit any money or any of that stuff. It was just, excuse me, it was, um, they would have like a, a Vietnam veteran hat on, you know, they'd have an EGA, which is the Eagle Globe Banker. it's like the symbol of the Marine Corps, you know, anything military or veteran on their person or on their vehicle you know, I would use that as an outlet to, to go, to go talk to them, you know? And so that, that helped me break down some of the barriers that I had built up over the years with myself, you know, kind of sloughed off that, that shell of, you know, get out of my way. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to deal with any people. And I had a person that was going to ride with me and take this trip with me. And unfortunately, you know, they're a veteran and because of their own personal experiences in their life, they couldn't make the journey. So they left me really quickly. What that did was, and I feel bad that they couldn't make the trip. I really wish they could have, because I know how much I got out of it and I know it could have helped them too, but it took me 10 years to make that trip. And I can't expect anybody else to sign on for what I put, put in front of myself. So it allowed me to have more intimate interactions and conversations with people that I knew. And honestly, the fact that I was out there by myself, it allowed me to do it on my schedule. You know, if I wanted to spend an extra day with someone, I'm going to spend an extra day with somebody if I want to bypass this spot to get to somewhere else to see something else I wanted to see, you know, I could do that. And, it, and that's really what motorcycling's about It's about having that freedom to make your own decisions. You know, I don't need to stay on this on the, on the slab. I don't need to ride I-40, you know, all the way out to Barstow. You know, I can take however long I want, you know, because this is about me as well. So, uh, the, the clarity that I found was also, some of the one of the hardest learned lessons and that was being in my helmet for so long. So when I met you, um I was by myself. You know, I didn't ride very much with I had people that that hung in with me for a little bit. Um I had a family member that hung out with me for most of a week. I picked him up in Columbus, Georgia, and he rode with me till I hit Oklahoma. And um that was a twisty turn turny you know, we didn't go straight across. Um, and it was the first time he had actually ever. He, and he's actually a veteran as well, but it was the first time he had uh, really been on any kind of distance ride. And it helped motivate him to want to do more. And so I was very, very thankful to actually have him for part of the part of the journey with me. And uh, I, I'm glad to know that it's given him some kind of positive experience but after leaving him and picking up with the guy i needed to see in oklahoma we made it to albuquerque and then i split off from him and then several days later i ended up in uh in utah and mex in mexican hat where i actually spoke with you and i was really feeling the weight of the uh the mission and i hadn't gotten it through my head yet that i just need to be in the now it was just Absorbing everybody's story, and I hadn't met met or encountered even a fraction of the people that I spoke to on this trip, but it was just grinding on me, man. I mean, I was just in my head, and to kind of give some of your listeners uh, and a reason as to why I was in Mexican Hat of all places, uh, my father-in-law, the one who actually got me into legit riding, you know. Uh, he wanted to go back to Mexican hat. He had been on a long trip many years ago and it was like an oasis. I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's this little motel and it's like shoved in the side of a Mesa and they've got cold beer and good food. It's right on the San Juan river, I believe. And, um, he talked about how beautiful it was, you know, and this, sun comes up and it hits it, it's just like it's just it's just glows and it's just this perfect place. So when I spoke to you, I was actually there and I had his ashes with me. So he had died from a, a pretty aggressive form of cancer. And uh he was the patriarch of our family. And I'm not gonna mince any words by saying, you know, he's the one that really taught me what it was how to be a family man. You know, and uh I loved him dearly, and uh, and I wanted to honor him by taking you know making a stop there, and I actually spread some of his ashes in that river, knowing that that was one of his favorite places. So the gravity of all that was there and trying to you know see where everything was in my head. And I don't have the skills, you know I'm not a med- you know, I'm not a mental health professional. So it's just trying to deal with it and just kind of keep plugging along. And I just hit this spot where I just needed to stop because when you're talking to people, in my experience, up to that point, I spent more time listening. So as I was saying before about absorbing their stories, you know, you don't have an outlet for your own because I've been told that, you know, you need to be, like a passive listener let them just let it just come out so it doesn't really work for me um but when i spoke to you and we spent that lord i think we well, he spent a couple hours on the phone that was uh that was one of the first real times i could actually talk about things and i was in a bad headspace and yeah talking to you i mean everybody's gonna hear your voice and they read your articles man you're you're a wordsmith and you know, I knew that the man that I was talking to that day was the guy I needed to talk to. And he was the guy that could put my stuff in words and and, and get the point across to people. So, yeah, you're a blessing for me that day and ha- have been ever since. But after. After Mexican hat, man. This is wild, man. This is just so wild being out there. And for any veteran, any veteran, it doesn't matter what country you're from. When you get out of military service, you need to travel around what you fought to protect. You really do. And I had that on a bucket list when I, you know, told, I I talked to people years ago. I was like, yeah, man, when I get out of the military, I'm going to get a bike and I'm going to ride around the country. I didn't do that. I got married before I got out. You know, I got married when I got, you know, not too long after I got to Fort Bragg. And when I got out, I... I was broke, man. I mean, I was enlisted. God didn't, didn't make anything in the military. And I went back to a blue collar job. So I just went back, put my nose down and just kind of went inside my head and just kind of kept doing the thing day in and day out. And I didn't take a minute and, and breathe and see what was out there. And I think the kids girl coming up today, I think they're a lot better maybe at doing that, you know? Um, but Photographs do not do this country justice at all, at all. And it is such a beautiful place. I mean, your state of Utah is a phenomenal, phenomenal state. It looks a lot different than North Carolina, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at that map behind your head, you know, and it's like, I went all of those places, you know, and people ask me all the time, well, what is your favorite spot? Where would you like to go back to I like, all of them? All of them except I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know how many people read this magazine or listen to this this from Kansas, but you know, I could probably bypass that one, you know. But uh um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. I'm sure there's some really beautiful places there too. But yeah, yeah, that's uh that's kind of where I was, you know, when I got the Mexican hat. You know, and from there it was Lord, uh Went down in through Hurricane, went into Vegas, came back through Kingman, down into Scottsdale, to Florence, to Yuma, to the Salton Sea, to Joshua Tree, to uh, Carlsbad, California. Hung out there with my daughter for Father's Day. Uh, That was wonderful. That was a a big surprise, you know, being able to see her. And uh, then, I mean, (laughs) traffic. Crazy traffic, you know, in California, you know, so that was the first time I'd actually been, I'd been in the Mojave desert, you know, for training and stuff, but I'd never ridden in California traffic. Mm. So I'd be on a motorcycle and be on the five and then the four Oh five. Holy smokes. You know, there weren't that many motorcyclists on that road for good reason. It's ridiculous. So Once I hit the Santa Monica pier, I really, I was never that far off of the Pacific ocean. And, uh, I did turn around and, uh, go South on the Pacific coast highway because that you need to, you need to ride South to be as close to the Pacific ocean as you can be without falling in the water. So I have friends of mine from California, and they tell me that's what you got to do. You really haven't ridden as close to the Pacific unless you're heading south. Yeah, from there, uh, I went up and spent some time in Oregon and bounced over into Washington. Uh, Spent some time in Idaho, in uh, McCall, very beautiful area. A lot of, I mean, those people go hard in the paint up there you know, because I think, you know, they're all outdoorsy because they only got three months to do it. You know, and it's just it's ridiculous how the weather changes. Uh, very, very impressed with with all the all the big plain states as far as uh, just how big the sky is. You know, they say Wyoming's big sky country and they're not lying. They're not lying. But after I left Idaho, it was really about you know, making those miles count until I got to Minnesota. Uh, when I got to Minnesota and got to my friend's parents' house, I didn't know what to do. I had spoken to my dad, you know, as, as I was bebopping around through these woods and stuff and kind of taking my time almost because I didn't really want to get there because I was kind of, I didn't know what to expect. So it was the apprehension was making me dawdle a little bit and, I mean, if you're going to dawdle, you might as well dawdle on a motorcycle anyway, you know. So I talked to him. He told me he was proud of me and everything. And then I pulled in their driveway and uh, I spent the next few days talking to them about their son, filling in a lot of blanks and them filling in some blanks and, you know, got a, a much larger appreciation for his family that I knew of and knew for so many years, but I didn't know. And they helped give me some more insight is to their son, you know, because when you go in the military, there's, or anything, you know, you show up freshman in college, you can kind of invent yourself to whoever you want to be. And no one really knows, but there's just pieces of his life that were guarded, just like there's pieces of my life that are guarded. And while they really weren't betraying any kind of confidence or any uh, anything that he wouldn't want to have out there, there was just things he, in his life that he glossed over that actually helped, helped me realize who that guy, who he really was. And, you know, in contrast, you know, I did the same thing for them. Wonderful family, very gracious, very generous and much welcome uh, respite from the road. Then I took a break. I came home, flew back home to Wilmington for a week for my daughter's birthday, uh, her 10th birthday. I'd been telling her since, you know, Oregon that I wasn't going to be home in time. And she, she kept her chin up, but she was pretty upset, you know, that I was She didn't want me to be gone anyway as my nine-year-old then. And uh, so I surprised her you know, by coming home for a few days before her, her birthday and the night before her birthday, my father died. So that was a, like, I hate to say it like that, but it really soured like everything. Um, it just took something that was to be a positive break in my trip and turned it completely upside down. And so The only thing I knew to do, and in retrospect, wasn't the best thing. Then the morning after the Memorial, I flew back up to Minnesota and I started riding again, then I started to crash, not physically, but emotionally. I started to crash. It was, uh, it was sobering, you know, the, the isolation that I found it so easy to put myself back into. It parallels what so many veterans go through. And it's nothing different than me being around my family. I can isolate myself and be just as alone, but I can see people, you know, I can see who's around me. And they're there if I need them. When I'm out there on the road, you gotta face your stuff, you know, you gotta you gotta own it. So I do have a, you know, a person that I talked to. So I talked to that guy, and he could tell I was getting in my head. So he just asked me, he's like, what, where are you at now? And I told him, he said, what is that town known for? I was like, man, I don't know. He said, you are out through all these places, you don't know anything about them? I was like, that guy's got a great point. <laughs> he said, it's about being in the now. He said, focus on the now, the mission that you're on. You know, anybody would love to go on this trip, but until they get on it, you know, and then they realize what it's all about. and the." The overwhelming reality is most of the people are never going to go on this kind of trip, you know. And the story that you walk away from might be how you sucked it up and you made it through it, you know. And it was only because you saw all these awesome things and you got an appreciation for the country that you served, you know, to protect. But, you know, these little towns you serve to protect them too. And, and you should know where you were at. So I started paying more attention to that. And then that actually, and being more observant to my surroundings, you know, and I let, trying to let that chaff just fall away from from what had been going on. Cause I just had to make that realization that that crap is going to be there. I just need to enjoy or try to enjoy as much as I can about where I'm at and and gain the appreciation that I saw to achieve from the, from the ride in the first place. And uh, so I almost feel like I'd done myself a disservice, like for three quarters of my trip, you know, like I wasn't doing what I needed to do. So that's, and because we just live in such an awesome country, like, I feel like I need to do it again. You know, like, like the first trip was just a, you know, like a rough end for me doing the real one, you know, and, uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done out there. I met a lot of people that are going through the same stuff that I am. I met a lot of people that aren't asking for help that don't want to talk to anybody, you know, and you know, whether it was some of these people are down and out and whether it was putting a tank of gas in some old veterans car at the gas station or paying for some guy's food, it's, you know, you know, that's just looks like he's just not doing okay. You know, I, I felt like that helped me, you know, that pay it forward because once I looked at it in a different light, the people that I was encountering, whether their stories are bad or good, they were paying forward because they were trusting me with a piece of themselves. So I owe it to those folks to, to keep pushing, to keep carrying on and trying to keep helping people. But the ride itself, oh my gosh, is the most amazing thing ever and i know why people do it i know why people endurance ride i know why people decide to ride across country every year you know i know why people bomb out the sturgis sturgis is awesome like that whole area is so beautiful and there's so much to do out there and i went actually got tires in sturgis and uh thankfully all the craziness wasn't going on but uh you know it's, it's a wonderful area. It's a wonderful area to, to visit and to sightsee. And, uh, I highly recommend Custer state park, uh, the ride riding through there. Um, watch out for the Buffalo. Right. Uh, yeah. But just some of the views coming through, coming around some of those corners and they've got the trees cut out and then you can see Mount Rushmore in the distance. It's just, a, it's amazing. But it's a beautiful beautiful country and you know i honor i honor everyone that's ever fought for it you know for us to be able to to go on these trips and see these things you know it's so fantastic you know and you definitely get a different appreciation from being in a car you know it's definitely yeah you know, i mean everybody that reads this and you as well you know and everybody that's listening it's just that raw experience you know that's why people on motorcycles are usually pretty happy it's cuz it's just you're just you're you're free you know so now if, uh i've got i can yeah i can actually uh say i've done that you know and it's just it's addictive it makes you want to keep going
1: so so maybe another trip in the in the works i think you had mentioned that when we when we emailed kind of recently or uh maybe maybe planning the next one. Um. Correct. Correct. That is uh, something that
2: right now there's, you know, while we're in the conceptualization phase of this whole thing, um, after I got back, there was a, a pretty big showing for, I, I felt really undeserving for the attention that I got when I got back, you know, and, um, they ask, you know, there's probably 80, 70 to 80 motorcycles that escorted me back into town. And there's a American Legion post uh here that uh, post 129. And they every one of their riders showed up. Now they have a fledgling rider program, but there's still 17 motorcycles, like the entire contingent showed up. So being in New Hampshire, I had a lot of support from the American Legion up there. So I felt like I felt really compelled to to join the Legion here and help foster their numbers and bolster their numbers and to help foster their mission in that. And the great thing about that is they have such a, you know, there's a huge network. It's, 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 nationwide. So as far as a ride, really wanting to get other people involved, I don't want to necessarily spend three months on the road again, away from my family, but I do want to ride, you know, around the country again, I feel like it can do it in a lot quicker time because if you look at the time I spent on the road, it was actually a, um, less than half of the time that I was gone. You know, I spent more time with folks, and that was the real mission was to spend time with people. But make it a relay. You know, that's that's the concept right now is to make it a relay and utilize Patriot Riders, and uh, you know, and then other veteran motorcycle clubs and stuff that want to you know, that want to, uh, you know, they want to help carry a torch, you know, and, and continue that awareness for veteran suicide and and veterans mental health. And, um, you know, it's it's in the news a lot, you know, veteran suicide, it's, it's everywhere and rightfully so. Suicide has touched everybody, you know, and it's, you know, it's for a veteran, they're more than twice as likely to commit suicide than someone that hasn't served. And it's because we lose our mission. So one thing that this has taught, this ride taught me was that the mission can also be about me, you know, and I think anyone who, who helps out or signs on or takes, takes a ride with, with another veteran or, you know, can, you know, they can, they can find some kind of peace and recapture some of that camaraderie that, that, has, that has been missing. Mm-hmm. So I feel that another ride is definitely important. Not just for me, but for for those people that I came in contact with on the road that expressed interest about about tagging along if something else happened. I even had someone who read the writer article. They reached out to me and they said, if we do it, they said, if I did it again, then they wanted to ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at least part of the Pacific Northwest with me. So that's that's awesome. You know, I'm, that's kind of, you want to, you want to, you know, it's, you want to be a spark, you know, and I feel that there's enough interest out there to where we can actually make something else happen
1: again. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, When we, before we started the interview, you said that, that you had kind of maybe changed the mission a little bit at this point. And then, and I know you, you got your nonprofit, your 501c3 for, uh, operation purpose, uh, operation I'll, I'll go ahead and plug that for you. (laughs) We'll do it again. And we'll, we'll put some of those links on the, on the web post when we put this up as well. But, uh, so it it sounds like things have shifted a little bit. Tell me, tell me what your, is that part of where this shift is going? Uh, you know, putting some, some focus, some, some resources towards that as well, or is that, is that just kind of ancillary? and, and, just something you'd really like to like to see happen.
2: So the Ride for Light was a call to action to to get you know my buddy Christopher Cool's Ashes back home to Fort Bragg. But like along the way, like I was telling you before, it just turned into a, a like a, a higher calling. So that's where operation purpose came in. And when we went ahead and applied for our nonprofit because we want to help people in the uh the The coastal north carolina specifically around wilmington north carolina area and i wanted to create more or less a safe place well i wanted to create a safe a safe place for veterans and their families to to congregate and to hang out and to feel no pressure a lot of these places where you get where you come to congregate they're centered around around alcohol or a meeting of some sort and People don't want to deal with a deal with a meeting. They don't want to have to go somewhere every time and just talk about things. You know, talk about what they don't want to talk about. So even if it's just a card table and four chairs and some guys can come together and play spades every week, you know, that's where four guys can have camaraderie. You know, I just want to be able to to have a no pressure a no pressure zone. That is my ultimate vision. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of logistics involved. So, I've always wanted to help people, you know, with their mental health, and I know that there's there's at risk people every day, whether it be veterans or law enforcement, first responders. So in Wilmington, there are a lot of there are a lot of there are a lot of places that are already in place to handle these types of uh, these types of things. Well, I didn't know about it. Well, once I got back from my trip and started trying to dig in and do some more because it's almost a dark art trying to navigate where to find these, where to find these specific organizations, you know, you find people that post on, you know, Facebook or Instagram, any kind of social media, you know, it's like you could look at a page and then or just type in something in a search engine and then you get funneled all this stuff. Well, That's cool, but it doesn't tell you what you need to, you know, where you need to be in your area. A big focus was the crisis counseling for me, because when when a veteran typically puts that plan into motion, you've got an hour to intervene. And they sometimes they'll reach out if they get the door slammed in their face or someone hangs up on them or tells them to hold, they just figure, you know, it's their last mission and they're not going to fail that mission. So I don't want people to get to that frame of mind. I know personally I've been there quite a lot and it's not everybody's got an awesome wife and three awesome kids like I do, but the, uh, the networking and nonprofits and, uh, interest organizations, it's not that greatest. It's really not. It is, uh, it's not something that, you know, if you have a nonprofit and it's like white water rafting for veterans, you know, and I have a white wa- or a nonprofit and it's underwater basket weaving for veterans. You know, we don't talk to each other. You know, you might get a guy who comes on a white water rafting trip, and he's like, Man, I would love to learn how to underwater basket weave. And then you get these organizations, you know, these large ones, and everybody knows who they are. They call them silo organizations, where if they're not getting all the attention and all the money and all the all the funding, and all the glory, they don't want to help. It, so my focus has always been about the veterans, but I want to help create the network in our area to start with to place veterans where they can get the help. There are actually nonprofits in this area that handle mental health and crisis counseling for veterans and their families free of charge they don't have to pay anything they don't have to be in the va or, um healthcare system they don't have to do that so there's there's things involved if veterans need help with paying their power bill if they need help with transportation you know if they just if they need that creative outlet you know if they if they want to go ruck with somebody or run with somebody they don't know where to turn you know the network side of things is where i think is lacking and that's the gap that I want to feel is to is to be the conduit to help get these organizations talking to each other and maybe tear down some of these silos and 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 regain the focus that it needs to be about the veterans. That's what it got started for. That's what these organizations, more than more often than not, got started for was to help the veterans. So I want to bring veteran well-being and taking care of, taking care of us back into focus. Okay so that is uh that has become more prevalent to me than just getting the counseling side once I started figuring out that these things are in place already, but the problem is there's a lot of smoke screen you know when you type in something you know you'll you'll find on a search engine that you know a couple of these big names will pop up and then it takes a long time to drill down and find out where you're at in your area and not everybody wants to go show up at an event start asking questions hey man you know where can i talk to somebody they just stand off a lot of veterans stand off from the distance you know and they they observe from an overwatch position and if they don't see something that automatically attracts their attention a lot of times they'll just go back and they'll stay in their lane and they'll just go back to their house and you know drink beer and play xbox or you know whatever it is they've been doing so Focus definitely the thing that hasn't changed is being about the veterans. The thing that has changed is utilizing the things, not trying to reinvent the wheel, you know, trying to trying to create a better transmission to get all the wheels working together. That's kind of where I'm at.
1: Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Boy, you answered a lot of my questions. <laughs> Before I could ask. It's just natural talking to you, man. It's just <laughs> So it, next ride, what's, uh, do you, do you have any short rides just in the, in, in the near future, just to, to get out and about? Uh, actually I do. Um, and I am not
2: taking my motorcycle. Oh, okay. So, so well, we won't talk a, about it. <laughs> no, there, there's, an, there's an organization called the motorcycle relief project. I don't know if you've heard of it. They're it's based out of, uh, Arizona. They're based out of Arizona and Colorado. It's a motorcycle relief project. And, uh, I encourage you to look the guy up. His name's Mike Bobbitt. He's a retired 30 year air force veteran. And you go through an application process and, um, I don't know how much of this you want to end up putting on the, the broadcast, but, uh, he helps organize off pavement riding mm-hmm. for veterans with PTSD. So I was connected to him, kind of navigated to him through a couple actually different avenues. And I went through the application process and I was, I was accepted. So at the end of February, I fly out to Tucson and I'll be on a another 1200 GS for a week and I'll get to ride off pavement. I I didn't have any idea what it was all about. So he's kind of laughing at me Uh, It's a little funny little story. When I was talking to him, I was like, all right, man, I need a pack out list. You know, I need to know what I need to bring. You know, I got, I got my tent, got my sleeping mat. I got my bag You know, I got all my stuff. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's like, I'm an air force veteran. I'm not sleeping on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so we stay in a lodge at night and we go out for these rides during the day. And it's, it's about team building. And it's about, you know, being around other people that uh, have similar experiences. And then, there's seminars and it, you can find Motor Motorcycle Relief Project on YouTube. Um, I actually didn't look it up until last night and I actually got pretty choked up. Just the honor of being elected to be a part of this thing. But it, there's classes and seminars on how to like deal with PTSD, mm-hmm. you know, and deal with trauma, and, you know, and the fact that, you know, you know, because you, you feel like once you're once you're done with the military, you know it's kind of like I don't know I even know what I need to do. And hats off to the guys that can segue straight from military life into civilian life. My my BS meter is just, you know, like there's a whole another echelon to my BS meter, and I've been able to turn that off and just be smile and nod and get on about my business. So I've had a had a bit of a rough time, you know, assimilating, you know but uh that it is my my hope i'm not going to put any expectations as far as like trump you know elevating this thing up to something that it might not turn out to be but you know this it'll be probably what i put into it and what i'll get out of it but um you know i'm hoping that this will help uh maybe help me regain some clarity as far as you know cause I just got so much in my head right now from this, from where I was at, you know, and all the things I went through and then these, the losses that I had over this summer and then this fall that I spoke with you about. And, uh, then, uh, I really hope that this, cause I, I'm telling you, it, it looks like a wonderful project and who knows, I might come back and decide I want to ride all over again. I want to, you know, fundraise just for that. You know, there's a, uh, so many good people out there trying to do good things to try to help us and it's brothers help brothers and sisters helping brothers and sisters, you know, and then, you know, compassionate, understanding people like, like yourself, you know, that just, that you see a need and then you want to, you want to help get that message out there, whether it be through, you know, a spoken word or written word, you know, or just increased awareness through social media, you know? So that is the first ride this is my February ride.
1: And how many guys are, uh, I guess, people? I guess we'll say uh, are on that. Uh, there's four. For that,
2: there's four volunteers. So it's like a there's a, like a mechanic type guy, and then um, three other personnel. Mike Mike is also involved in the day to day ride. He, I think he's just part of everything. Okay. Uh, and then there's there's eight riders. Okay, they okay. So keep it small. You know, it's right. a full full fleet of, uh, 1200 GSs. And, uh, yeah, you go through, uh, maintenance stuff every morning and then like a pre-ride brief kind of tell you where you're going for the day and what you're doing. And you ride out to someplace, have lunch and, you know, hang out and you come back. And from what I've seen on the YouTube videos from the, from the kind of like a post-ride interviews from some of the folks that have attended this thing, it's, Seems like it's pretty life changing for them. So, I definitely this summer I will be doing another ride, um, off road, more off road than off pavement. Trying to get lined up with some, uh, some classes because I want to do a BDR. Um, So, they got the Mid mid Atlantic BDR here. They got the New England BDR that they just opened up. And then, of course, everybody does all the other BDRs and then they do the, uh, I forget if it's the the Idaho BDR. I think it's the last one people do. That's the one that you, you can't do on my bike. It's like a it's like a serious dual sport dirt bike kind of kind of ride. And uh, I would love to build up to that um, pavement riding. i will tell you, man, I'm 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 right there with doing another another ride around this country. Uh, it all depends on if I do it solo or if people are with me on. How much i can knuckle down and help get this word out i put this thing together the one i just i didn't last year i put it together i think i started in march working on it so it kind of came together pretty quick and i'd like to see what more preparation can net us you know um i have some uh really talented people and gifted people with organization and fundraising and just coordinating all the things on my side now. And I'm so very fortunate to, to be surrounded by such, such outstanding individuals. Uh, one of the guys that I saw on my trip, his brother, he lives here and, you know, he's, uh, he's all about it. He's, he's helping me. He's, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He's, uh, he's in contact with all the, all the right people and doing all the right things. And, I really like the fact that he doesn't have any problem with calling me up and saying, Hey man, what are you doing? Have you done this? Have you done that? I'm like, man, cause I'm the attack the hill guy. You know, if you're like Perry, I just need you to run up that hill and you know, knock down everything that's standing I'm like, cool, man, I got you. I'll go up there. I'll knock everything down on that top of that hill. But sometimes I, I get bogged down by my own, by my own stuff. There's so many ideas running around in my head. It's like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go now. And then I won't even have enough common sense to walk back down the hill. I'll just kind of stand up there and wait for somebody to tell me what to do. So another ride is definitely in the works. I've even got people that have, I have people that have bought motorcycles since I've been on this trip and I ran into them. Wow. Because I was telling them about just how awesome it is, you know, and yeah, you can ride down the road in your car with your windows down, but it's not the same thing as riding around the town at like seven 30 in the morning, smelling, honing where you're going by the smell of the bacon. You know, you're finding a good place to eat, but with your nose, you know, or, you know, just, just the senses, you know, the air, the air pressure change and the uh, dropping down into a, a little little valley, and the wind, and it getting a little crisp outside, you know, or being a little bracing yourself and grabbing your hold of your tank, you know, when you hit a nice steep crosswind, you know that lovely sting when the when the rain's hitting you at eighty miles an hour and just tearing your neck up, you know. So it's just awesome on two wheels, you know what I mean?
1: Well, I, I can't think of, a, of a, a better way to wrap up than, than that. So <laughs> awesome on two wheels. Well, and, you know, I, I know you say you, you, sometimes you run up the hill and then you just kind of stand there, but, it, but I, I think you're a leader. I, I, I think you're doing great work. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think you found, I found your, your mission and, and, you know, it started out With something that you needed to do, and 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 it's continued to be, in a larger sense, something you need to do for other folks, and uh, and 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 still for yourself, it feels like. So, Roger, uh, so I I I appreciate it, Perry, and I and I, I know we've got a lot of readers who who appreciate what you're doing, and 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 from a personal standpoint, and I appreciate what you're doing.
2: I always want to thank you for the opportunity to spread my message. You know, your support over this trip. Like I said, man, got no idea how much that meant to me. And the fact that, you know, the article that came out in rider was, was well received. It's a wonderful article. I definitely, you don't have to ride an American motorcycle to appreciate your words for sure. Cause that was, man, I just, it's fantastic. I, it's just, I'm, I'm blown away. And, uh, you know, the fact that we, through, through our, our words and our, you know, our, in our actions, you know, we can make a positive impact in other people's lives, you know, and while I'm, I can be out there doing the things sometimes, you know, it helps to have somebody tell the story too. And so the opportunity that you've given me to help reach more people is just, I've just, I
1: I can't thank you enough. Glad to do it. Glad to do it. So, Uh well anything else you'd like to say and you know we'll we'll put a link to to operation purpose anything else you'd you'd like to add or, or-
2: no just for you um the website I'm 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 one of those hard nosed guys and I feel like I got to do it all by myself so I'm, I'm working on the website still I mean it's up it's up and I'm making some changes so I don't know how long it's been since you've looked at it Um I'm changing some things updating it up you know uploading some stuff I'd started uh a kind of a YouTube channel for rod for light. And, uh, I'm going to be doing more of that and trying to do more with the blog. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to find that balance. Like I told you, I'd kind of gone into hibernation mode when I got back It's time to, to get it all out. You know, I've been, I've had some time to reflect on some things and, and it's time to really put it out there for people. I've had people ask me if I was going to write a book about my trip and just about like trip in a larger sense, you know, how the whole thing has gone on. And, uh, it's not out of, out of, uh, the scope either, you know? So, um, I just would like to, I mean, it's not going to be, I would love Neil Perch status. You know what I mean? Cause I've read his books and I I, I read one of his books in preparation for the trip. Just, to try to get my head right i don't know if you've read it
1: but no yeah. no I, I i didn't i guess i no actually i did i think my uh, i did know my brother was a big fan he but i i i had forgotten until you just now mentioned it so
2: yeah like i'm uh, not ai mean rush is, is a fantastic band but i mean i, I wouldn't say i'm like ai have never been goo guy over him and i didn't really <laughs> even know Neil Pert road until no, for uh, my trip you know and um so I've I've read his book and I gotta tell you, there's something humbling about the open road for sure. And I really feel that once you can get your head right, man, it's it's you can find some healing out there, you know, and that's what it took for him. And I feel like my healing is continuing. You know, I feel like I found a lot on on my trip, but I feel like uh yeah, we're 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 moving on to the next phase. So Websites being updated pretty regularly. Um, people want to donate it's on there. I'm going to be changing the merch up. I got to get the ride for light stuff kind of second stage for the operation purpose, working on a logo for that. And excuse me, we're going to start fundraising again for helping, keeping it, you know, helping get the database going. And you know, I, I just can't wait to see where, where we go next you know, and, uh, just the fact that I've got strong people on my side and then definitely strong supporters such as yourself. I mean, it just, it helps, it helps me when I get down in the dumps or feel like I'm not making enough progress to, you know, to have people that are still supporting me and still in my corner, you know what I mean?
1: Well, we'll we'll keep talking. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, man. For sure. This ain't a one and done thing, man. Nope. <laughs> I'm gonna keep bugging you. Well, I I will be very curious to hear about the the motorcycle relief project too, and uh, so we'll, you know, if if not before, we'll connect again then, and and get yeah. a, and and love to hear some more about that, and uh, that's actually been on my, on on my list, and. And I know you got to, you got to run here shortly, but uh, I, I've been looking at a few different groups like that actually. So oh, I really, to, uh, yeah. And and you actually going to something like that is a, is a great, would be a great segue. So,
2: well, um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm all about telling people about these positive experiences of what I've been through, you know, and, and definitely helping other folks. And I just look forward to, to hearing this interview and to read the article, you know, the next in an in, in American writer and, uh, yeah, and definitely thank you and thank all, all everyone at those two publications. I just, I just really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll pass that along. So cool, man. All right, Perry, well, you have a good rest of your day and weekend and, and, and we'll be in communication soon. All
2: right. I'm, I'm sending you a text message right now. Excellent. Like right this minute. Is a 406?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I was Montana for uh about seven years. And I just never went, never got a new phone. So I understand. <laughs> All right. This is
2: a picture of the Motor Gutsy. Ah, uh, there it is. Oh excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a really cool story around that motorcycle. And uh I'll leave this with you. So my father-in-law had that, had that 84 R8 R100 RT put tons of miles on it. Well, he, him and his brother shared a house in uh South Windsor, Connecticut, and they lived next door to somebody and it looked like they never took care of their house. It was like always unkept. And um, what it was, was there was an old woman. They could never saw this person, but you know, dad's always working tons of hours. His brother's working tons of hours. Like, and when, on the weekends, they're all he was off riding motorcycles. He was never there. So one day, like they got, like they've got to move. Harry, had, you know, his brother and him, they sold the house. Like his brother's getting married to this chick, you know, and dad's found another place to live. And so they're they got their stuff out in the yard. You know, they got their motorcycles out, and they're like loading up trailers and trying to get get the heck out of Dodge. Well, so they noticed that the barn is uh, the, the, the barn doors are open on the garage in the back of the next door neighbor's house. And they didn't think a whole lot of it. So this weird looking dude walks over to him and, uh, says, Hey man, you guys like motorcycles. And so dad's like, what the fuck you think, man? Like we got motorcycles sitting out here, you know? And and so dad, you know, being, you know, being tactful, doesn't say that. He says, "Well, of course, you know, uh, he said, well, I've got an old motorcycle over here. I'd, I'd like somebody to look at. So Dad's Harry's like, you know, his brother's like, I don't want to talk to this guy. And uh, dad's like, humors the guy. He's like, all right, I'll come over and look at it. So he walks over there and this, that Moto sitting there, but it had like an old wick, fairing on it, you know, and it had like a, a slab seat with a Mexican blanket stitched on it. it had an old Dodge truck hood ornament bolted to the front fender <laughs> that I actually have sitting up there on my bookshelf and he's like, now mind you, that picture that I sent you doesn't have the side covers on it. Cause I'm putting it in, in a dyna ignition on it probably this weekend, but uh, it didn't have those bags. But so he starts ta- asking him questions about it and everything. And he's like, you know, he's like, I just really want to get rid of it. You know, I'm just, you know, figuring, you know, I could just, you know, somebody can come get it. I don't have to move it. He's like the bike hadn't moved in years. So he's like, all right, well, I'm a, yeah. You know, he's, he's like taking a note of like what it is, you know, because he knows motor. Anybody that has BMWs, they know motor goodie people, you know. And um, so he starts asking questions. All right, all right, so how do you, how much you want for it? He's like, well, I'll, I'll take two for it. And Dad's like, all right, two thousand. He's like, no, two hundred. He's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, and, he gets a couple hundred bucks. and comes back and. Yeah, he's like, and I'm trying to push this thing across this soft Connecticut ground. You notice all, both tires are flat. and It's like, <laughs> you know, so the guy and his brother's helping him get it back across the road, across the, to his house. And he's like, I'm in the middle of moving. What the fuck am I going to do with the motorcycle? <laughs> so he puts about six or seven hundred bucks into it, kind of cleans it up, gets rid of a bunch of bull crap, puts that solo seat on it and everything. And then he wins every show that he puts it in. So the bike at this point has been completely gone through those jugs back in the day, they were all chrome lined cylinders. So it's not a matter of if they go bad, it's when they go bad. Well, he had it go bad. So it's actually got Nicosil lined cylinders on it. Now the 74s had a screen instead of a filter. Well, the, starting in 75 the beginning of the tanti frames they went to a screw-on filter in the pan so he's had that had that block machined to accept a later model pan transmission's been redone and it was a california police bike so yeah so because it doesn't have the ambassador dash and had some it used to have some extra wiring on it i guess for like radios and stuff and it, it originally it had the radio rack on the back but uh yeah so that's the that is the jewel right there That's excellent. Yeah man. Yeah. So it's pretty. Yeah, yeah, she's a she's a pretty girl. She's attractive though. She is a tractor That thing I <laughs> think handles worse than this freaking Ultra behind me You know? So Cool,
1: Paul. Thank you. For all right. To me, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good talking to you live. It's been yeah. real good. Real good. And color. Sure. I know, you know. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I hear we'll you. We'll have man. to talk more about those things uh, hanging up on the wall behind you next. So all my skateboards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. man. Yep. Yep. Yeah. My, I'll have to show those to my to my boy. He's uh, he's just starting to get into it. So hey, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, we've got uh
2: <laughs> and I've got like autographed magazines i mean i've got tons of stuff in here man and uh i mean i just like i've got this this is like my little man cave you know so
1: it's like i got
2: motorcycles in here i got toolbox and tv and all kinds of shit. so this is like where i come to hang out
1: yeah well i look forward to seeing it when i uh when I get out on the East Coast, so <laughs> bring it, me casa su casa. Yeah, appreciate it. Hell yeah, man! All right, brother. Well, you have a good afternoon. And, you do the same, uh, I'll, man. I'll I'll keep you posted when on when this goes up. Uh, yeah, man. No worries. Uh, and all my best to you guys. Cool, cool. Thank you, man. You too. All right, brother. All right, Perry. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Yeah,
0: If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating, and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com, where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Rider Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.